0: We do spend our lives trying to figure out what life is about, what's the secret, what's that one thing that makes life count, that one thing that makes life good. Oh, it'd be nice if there was one clear thing we could focus on and go after and nothing would get in the way. But you know what? There's hundreds and thousands of things trying to get into our life and say, we're the one thing. We're the one thing that will give you love. We're the one thing that will give you worth. We're the one thing that will answer the questions. We're the one thing that will tie it all together. And that one, those things that, that crowd in and that we pursue, all of those things that we look into to give us lives, boy, they do mess up our lives. That's a, a lot of what that movie is about, is all the things we go after to make sense out of life, and then we mess it up. Of course, the movie sends you in the wrong direction, too that they give you the wrong answer did you see what the one thing was you i'm the one thing i'm what life is all about boy what good news who knew who knew that the rocks the skis the tries uh, the the sun the moon the stars six million people and it's all about me that's what it's all here for is that really the secret to life Is that what six billion people need to figure out that it's all here for you? It's all about you. You know what? That does not even make sense. That in no way makes sense. You know, when we start talking about something, we say this is the one thing. This is the answer to life. Well, folks, if it's the answer to life, it should answer some questions, shouldn't it? Why am I here? Where am I going? Where did I come from? Why is there evil? Is there justice? Folks, when you start talking about the one thing, it should be able to answer the questions of life. <laughs> this isn't it. This doesn't answer the questions of life. As a matter of fact, right here, which is how a lot of us live, this is what just makes those questions more and more confusing. Is there, is there one thing? Is there one thing we can focus on that is the one secret, the one it of life? Well, you know, I believe there is, you know where and probably who I'm going to. Would you turn with me this morning to John chapter 11? John chapter 11, fourth book into the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, I hope you'll use one of ours. We've got Bibles spread out among the sanctuary and chairs in front of you. If it's not right in front of you, probably within a couple chairs you'll find one. We want everybody to be able to have a copy of God's Word and study along with us as we look at what God has to say. We've been studying now for a number of months the Gospel of John. We haven't necessarily been going through that verse by verse, but we've been looking at sets of seven. There are seven signs. We've already studied each one of those. Signs that point to who Jesus is and to what He can do. We're now working through seven I Am statements. We're on our fifth one today. These I Am statements communicate something about who Jesus is, what Jesus is for us. And near in the near future, we're going to look at seven witnesses. We're going to hear the, the eyewitness testimony of seven people about who and what they saw. Jesus to be. As we've gone through this, we have seen a couple of intersections between these signs and these I am statements. You might remember one of the signs Jesus did was the multiplication of the of the handful of fish and loaves that he had. And with that, he fed well over 5000 people. That was a sign pointing to his power, his ability to provide his ability to care for our need. And out of that sign came one of our I am statements. I am The bread of life today, we come to another one of those intersections. We're going to study another story that we've already studied as a sign. And that was the sign of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And out of that same story, out of that sign, we do get another one of our I am statements. Now, you remember from when we studied that, that Lazarus is very close to Jesus. They're very close friends. As are Lazarus' two sisters, Mary and Martha, very close to Jesus. Well, when Lazarus falls ill, deathly ill, they send for Jesus, they being Mary and Martha. Say, man, your good friend Lazarus is is sick, he's dying, come. And you know what? Jesus did come, not right away. He delayed on purpose. And in that delay, Lazarus passed away. Well, remember when we studied that, we dealt with some really heavy, some pretty serious questions. Do I trust God? Do I trust him when it seems like he didn't show up or he didn't show up on time? Do we trust him? We dealt with that question is, is the biggest thing in my life, is the most important thing in my life, God's glory being revealed, God being revealed through my life, even if that circumstance is not one I'd want to be in. Is that the biggest thing in my life? Is that the most important thing in my life? Even if that means I don't get what I want or when I want it? Dealt with some big questions there. But you know what? We said these questions were worth answering. Because in that sign, we saw this man that we call Jesus is the son of God. And he does possess in his hand the power over life and death. And it is out of that sign that another I am statement is going to come to us. It happens really before he raises Lazarus. He he arrives there at the graveside and, and he walks up on Martha. Remember now, Martha's grieving. Her her brother has been dead for four days. She's very excited to see Jesus, but she is thinking, we know from Scripture, she is thinking, what if? What if he'd gotten here a little bit sooner? What if he'd gotten here a couple of days ago? And it's into this relationship, into this context, into this conversation that you and I enter. Look with me at John 11, verse 23. John 11, verse 23, Jesus is speaking. He says, your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said, I I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, ever, ever. Do you believe this? Let's pray. Father, we pause before you just a moment here as we come to your holy word. And God, we come here because we do believe you are the author of life, the giver of life. You have a, the design on life that we need. and We know that's revealed in your word. And Lord, we know we're coming to a very significant, a very important passage. About who Jesus is and what he means to our life. God, we want to get it. We want to understand it. And so we turn to you, Holy Spirit. And we ask that you would open our mind and our heart to to hear, to understand, to receive, and to respond. We need your help. We pause and depend upon you. God, speak to each of us now. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray this. Amen. Jesus arrives there at the graveside. He walks up to Martha and he says, Lazarus is going to live again. Now, you and I, knowing the whole story, might be wondering, is he saying, you know, like Lazarus is going to give live again in like three minutes. Well, if that's what he meant, that's certainly not what she understood. She understood Jesus as giving kind of a, a common consolation. You know, kind of sounds like funeral talk. You've been to a funeral. You've been to those receiving lines. There's things you say when you're going through that line. I'm sorry. I love you. Or we say things like this right here. Boy, he's with the Lord in heaven now, isn't he? Boy, she is she is in a better place. We mean that we believe that that is our faith, although I don't think in that moment our our focus is on expressing a faith. We're just trying to say something encouraging in kind of a discouraging moment. We're trying to say something when there doesn't feel like there's much to say. There's kind of a mechanic to this. Like I said, if you've been to a, a funeral, if you've been in a receiving line, you can have 200 people go by and they're all pretty much going to say the same thing. And I think it's this mechanic that, that, that I see in verse 23 and 24 is why when we come into verse 25, I almost hear Jesus saying, Stop! Stop! I'm not giving you a line here. I'm not giving you a doctrine. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm it. I'm not trying to say something because there's nothing to say. Listen, I'm the answer to what you're looking for right now. And notice he doesn't say there, I give resurrection and life. He's saying, I am resurrection and life. I'm it. That's a very important thing we need to understand here. You know, in my neighborhood, there is a man that's about to become very popular. He does every October as we move toward Halloween. And this is one of these people who who spends way too much money on Halloween. Uh, I mean, he decorates his home like, I mean, it's just unbelievable what he does from the mailbox all the way to the backyard. But that's not the big part. What this guy does is he gives out candy bars. Well, yeah, a lot of people give out candy bars. No, no, no. You give out these little bite-sized pieces of garbage. I'm not talking, I'm not talking about a candy bar you're done eating before you get back to the street. He doesn't even buy, he doesn't even buy the regular size candy bars. All he buys is those King Daddies. Those big ones that really obviously nobody should be putting inside their body. And he, every single kid, I don't know how much he spends. Every kid that comes to his door, he's giving two, three, and four of these King Whopper uh, candy bars. I mean, folks, when he says, I am the candy bar man, everybody in the neighborhood knows who he is. It's incredible to see it happen. I I stood out there in the street uh, watching last year as kids came down and carrying all these candy bars. I admit temptation became a little overwhelming I had, to, uh, I had to knock this one kid down and get his Spongebob outfit on and go up to the door and, and get my candy bars. Man, he's the candy bar man. Now you know what? He can say, I am the candy bar man. And, and we know exactly what he means. But you know what? There's a real difference when he says that than what's going on here. Let me show you what I mean. When I went to the door, my Spongebob outfit... And I held open my bag. He dropped two or three candy bars in my bag. And you know what I did? I said, thank you. And I walked away. You know what? There's no relationship between the candy bars and the candy bar man. There's no relationship there between that. There's no relationship between me and the candy bar man. Thank you. I'm very grateful. And on I go. There's nothing there, though. There's a separation. That's not the same when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and life. Folks, if you want resurrection, you want Jesus. If you want life, you want Jesus. You cannot separate the two. You know what? I can't go to the door of Jesus, knock on it, hold out my bag. I'd like some resurrection and life and have Him fill up my bag and then I walk away as if I now possess it, but it's separated from Him. Or I'm separated from Him. No, it doesn't work that way. If you want to live forever, you want Jesus Christ. If you want life now, you want Jesus Christ. If you want Jesus, you get life, you get resurrection. They go together. They're inseparable. Or at least that's what He claims. Do you believe this? That's what Jesus asks. Do you Believe this. Now, you know what? A lot of things claim to offer you life. A lot of things claim to give you life. I mean, you know what? I've noticed beer. Beer offers life. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, right there on Miller, it says right under the name Miller, high life. <laughs> Miller offers me the high life. You remember it's a long time ago. I mean, I'm probably 10 plus years ago. Lowenbrow had a commercial uh, with a bunch of guys been fishing on the stream all day and they're, they're gathered around by the stream, cooking the fish and drinking their low and brow. And, and the commercial says, this is it. This is what life is all about. This moment right here. Who knew? That's it. <laughs> now, folks, most people I know want more life. I want more life. So I, am I to understand that if I want more life, I need to drink more beer? You know, most of the people I know that get more beer spend more time with their head in a toilet. That doesn't sound like high life. I mean, help me here. That just doesn't sound like the life I'm looking for. A lot of things offer life. Beer offers it. Sex offers it. Drugs, rock and roll, hard work, fame, fortune, achievement, coming in first. All of these things tell me. Life is here. Come get life here. And you know what? We run around and try a lot of this stuff out. I mean, how do you know? I mean, I don't want to try a lot of things to get to the end and find out. Well, that's not where I wanted my head. That's not where I wanted to end up. Man, a lot of promises were made to me. I, I, I thought this was, I don't want to run around. How do you know? A lot of things out there offering life. You know, what's interesting, though, while there's a lot of things that tell you I'm life, come get life here. Not a lot of things offer you the afterlife. I've never seen a beer commercial. You drink more beer, you live forever. haven't seen that. No, I guess that's religious stuff, right? It's religions. It's religious leaders that say, follow us, follow our way, and you will live forever. But you know what? How, How do you know that? I mean, we can kind of prove, you know, if, if something says life's here and I go try it out and it doesn't work, my life gets worse. Okay, well, then I've just proved that's not it. So now I need to move on to something else. But, but how do you do that with afterlife? I mean, just because somebody offers it? It's not hard to offer it. Hi, I'm Randy Hahn. I can give you afterlife. I, say, I can say that very easy. How do I prove that? How do you prove that? You know, I wonder... I wonder if it would make a difference because I want to know I've got one life and I don't want to run around after someone or something that can't do what it's promised. So so how do I make this decision? I wonder if, if I'm listening and this person says, I'll give you life and I'll give you afterlife. How do I know that? What I wonder if it would make a difference if he were to. Raise somebody from the dead. I'm not talking about lifting them up off the surgery table after they've been dead three or four minutes. I'm talking about going out to the graveyard. Get somebody out of that box. I wonder if if somebody did that. I wonder if I think, you know what, that might be it. I, I wonder if this person himself were able to conquer the grave, come out of it three days later. I mean, shouldn't that cause us to scratch our head and say, you know what, I think this one might be it. I think this one might be the one. He seems to have some real power and authority over life and death. This one might be it. Shouldn't that lead us to kind of stop and think about that? None of the others have. None of the other religions, none of the other religious leaders have done that. This makes it kind of unique. Do you believe? You know, even with what I would consider, what I would call hard historical evidence to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there are still takes faith. And that's why Jesus asked the question, do you do you believe he didn't say, do you see all the evidence now come to your conclusion? He says, do you believe it's a step of faith? And there will be people who will look at this and say, you know what, I I don't I don't believe. I don't I don't believe Jesus raised anybody from the dead. I don't believe he came out of the grave. I I just can't I can't buy that. I don't see that happening. That doesn't that doesn't work for me. And that's your choice. You need to understand two things. One, there is a consequence for not believing. It's very serious and it lasts forever. The other thing you need to understand when you dismiss this, because people who dismiss this a lot of times dismiss it as a, a myth or a fairy tale. But there's a difference. You see, myths and fairy tales, their existence is all inside of a story. There's no bearing in reality or history. That's not true with this story we just read. When we talk about Jesus raising the dead, when we talk about Jesus being resurrected himself from the dead, folks, there is historical evidence for that. You say, well, yeah, you you get that out of the Bible, but I I don't know if I believe that either. Well, I mean, there was non-Christians. There's Jewish historical writings. There's Roman historical writings that all refer to this event. You may choose not to believe it, but you can't dismiss it as a unicorn that doesn't exist anywhere but inside of a story. Jesus Christ was a historical figure. He lived. And His resurrection was an historical event. He Claim claimed to be the son of God. He claimed to give resurrection and life. If you choose not to believe in that, there is a consequence. Now, notice he says here that if you believe, you'll live forever. Now, that sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, he says you'll never die. Now, think think of who he's saying you'll never die to. He's saying you'll never die to Martha, whose brothers laying there dead. Uh, Wait a minute, Lord, time out. He believed, and he's dead. As a matter of fact, you know, if we think about it, probably from this moment on to today, millions of people have believed in the Lord, haven't they? They've all died. what's Jesus saying here? If you believe in me, you'll never die. Well, notice what he says. Even if you die, you'll live and never die. Kind of have to catch up with that there, don't you? He's talking about two deaths. And that's absolutely consistent with the teaching of Scripture. There is a physical death and there is a spiritual death. He's saying, even if you go through the physical death, you will never be touched by the spiritual death. You know, you and I are actually born spiritually dead. We come to life physically, but spiritually, we're dead. That part of us created to relate with God in an unhindered relationship, that part of us is dead. The Scripture says we're dead to sin. The Scripture says we're dead to God. And it's because of this teaching, these truths, that Jesus says in a very important teaching in John 3, if you want to live forever, if you want to go to heaven, you need to be born again. You've had a physical birth. Nicodemus said, I've already been born once. How do you do that again? And Jesus says very clearly, I'm not talking about another physical birth. I'm talking now about a spiritual birth. You need to have a spiritual life because one day you are going to go through the physical door of death. As big as that door looms out in front of us, that's not the big issue, folks. It's just a door. It just takes you from one life into the next one. That's all it is. And Jesus says, if you believe in me, if you've been born again, if you believe I am the resurrection and the life that birth happens, then when you go through that door, you're not going to die. That spiritual death is not going to touch you. Now, if you and I go through that door and we've not been born again, we've not believed that He is the resurrection and the life, then we remain spiritually dead. It cannot be changed. That's what's significant about physical death is once you enter that door, it doesn't change anymore. There's no more opportunity. Lots of opportunity on this side. But once we go through that door, then we're locked eternity in a spiritual death which the Bible clearly defines as a place of hell and torments, very physical, very real. There is a consequence for not believing. So Jesus says, if you believe, I, that's not what I have for you. If you believe in me, I will give you resurrection and life. Do you believe? I want you to notice one last thing here in our passage. Jesus says in verse 26, everyone who lives and Believes. Do you notice how Jesus ties together living and believing? They, they go hand in hand. They're inseparable. I think we have a problem in American Christianity. The way a lot of people who claim to be Christians, the way they live, I think it's different than what he's describing right here. For him, life and faith go hand in hand. They're inseparable. But we have developed a Christianity where my faith is over here. This is this is my beliefs right here. I, my beliefs are very important to me. You know, I'm here today exercising my beliefs, celebrating my beliefs. This is this is my faith. And there's a there's a place for it It has a role in my life. But now in a few moments here, I'm going to I'm going to get out of this box and I'm going to run over here for the rest of the week and I'm going to live life. And a lot of people will forget that that's life over there and they'll go out looking for all these things, wasting life, wasting time, hurting themselves, as the movie said, getting their life all tied up in knots. And we don't connect the two folks, if our life, if our life is not intertwined with our faith, if our faith is inconsistent with our life, we've got a problem. If these two things are separable, if we can put them in two different places, then you don't have the belief that Jesus is talking about here. And if you don't have that belief, then you don't have life. And you don't have life eternal. They go hand in hand, because you see, what am I saying that I believe? I'm saying I believe Jesus is the resurrection he, when I go through that door, I'm only counting on one thing. I'm only depending on one thing. I'm only saying one thing. Jesus. But I'm also saying I believe He is the life. So when I head out into life tomorrow, Jesus is the one who's going to direct that. And define that and describe it. If I want more life in my marriage, I'm going to go to the Bible and I'm going to find out what Jesus says about my marriage. If I want more life in my finances, I'm going to go to the Bible and find out what Jesus says about finances. If I want more life inside of here, because right now I don't feel free. I feel all tied up in guilt. I feel tied up in anger. I feel tied up in hurt. Man, I, don't, I, don't, I just feel like I'm dying inside. I want, I'm going to go find out what Jesus says about my heart. I'm going to go find out what Jesus says about my insides, because he's life. I'm not looking to anything else to tell me how to make these things work. He is my life. You see, folks, you can't say, I believe Jesus is the resurrection in the life and then go out and live a life in which it is not at all obvious that Jesus has anything to do with it. That's not belief. I'll tell you what you have. You have Religion. Religion can be good. I guess religion can carry you through some hard times, you know, something to believe in, something to hold on to. Unfortunately, religion is utterly worthless when I go through that physical door of death. It will be nothing for me. It will do nothing for me. Jesus is resurrection in life, not a religion. And did you hear that singularity? Jesus is. I am the it's not in Buddha, not in Confucius, it's not in Mohammed. It's not in any of the things that we're going to pursue and be a part of this week. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Do you believe? You know, we're going to respond to that in in one of three ways, one we're going to reject. No, I don't believe. I don't I don't. I don't believe he raised anybody from the dead. I don't believe he came out of the dead. I don't believe that's for me. That's your choice. But when you go through that door of physical death, if you're wrong, you pay dearly for that choice. Here's the funny thing. If you're right, you go through that physical door of death. You still got nothing. You see, your way of pursuing life doesn't answer any questions. It doesn't explain where you come from, where you're going or why you're here. And without Christ, you don't have any answers to those questions. That's your choice it has a high cost. Another choice is to say, you know what? I see a lot in Christ. I respect him. I'm very intrigued by this person. I, you know, I think as far as religions go, this is pretty interesting. And maybe we would even say, I, I believe in him. But we do want to keep a separation. You know, I want to keep it over there, but I'm going to live life over here. You know why most people don't come to Christ? It's not because they struggle with evolution and creation, although I think it's very important for us to understand that, which is why we're going to have answers in Genesis here pretty soon. I don't think they're struggling. You know, I can't come to Christ because there's, you know, there's this passage in, in Isaiah that I don't, I don't, I don't understand what God is. I, I just can't believe in that. You know why most people don't come to Christ? Because while I appreciate them over there, I don't want them affecting over here. I've learned to define life by my anger. That's how I handle people. That's how I deal with things. I I don't if I believe in him, he might come in here and try to say something about that anger. He might try to say something about forgiveness. I'm afraid of him doing that. I don't want him doing that. You know what? I kind of I kind of like doing what I'm doing. I have fun doing what I'm doing. I I think if you become a Christian, you know, he stops all the fun. You see, folks, what we're really saying is. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with the things I'm trying out for life. I don't want the life you have. You see, ultimately, to say I'm kind of going both directions is to reject him. Please understand, please hear, not your pastor, please hear Jesus Christ ask you very personally, very specifically, do you believe? And to say, yeah, yeah, as a part of my life, sure. No, that is to say, no, Lord, no, I don't. I'm going to keep going for life over here. I can preach forever now, can't I? It's raining. Yeah, we'll take a little potty break here and we'll come back and we'll go 30 more minutes, right? No, I'm going to finish up because there's one more way we respond to this story. I believe. I believe. And you know what? When I wake up tomorrow, I'm not going to go look for life in a person, in a job, in a thing, in an achievement. I'm not going to go look for life in that. I'm counting on Jesus to define my life. I'm counting on Jesus to define my afterlife. I got one answer to everything. Jesus Christ, I believe it and I will live it. Do you believe? Let's pray. Father, I pray for us right now, discernment. God, I pray for every person in this room that you will give us the ability right now to look into our heart and our life and to genuinely, truly evaluate what our belief is. Is it a rejection? We really want nothing to do with Christ. We're kind of here as a religious moment. Is our belief something that that, that plays a role in our life, very important in our life, but it's not our life? Jesus is over in one spot. Our life is everywhere else. Or have we said Jesus is the answer? Jesus is where I came from. Jesus is where I'm going. Jesus is why I'm here. And Jesus will define and direct every moment of my life this week through his word. Because I believe he is the resurrection and the life. God, would you help us to look within ourselves right now and to know what belief and what life we have. Lord, we don't want to waste our days. We don't want to waste our life. We certainly don't want to try out a bunch of these things that are saying they're it, only to get hurt, eaten up, spit out. God, we want to make it count. Thank you, Father. Thank you for letting us see you're it. Jesus is it. I cannot come to that knowledge, that faith, but by your grace and your love for me. Thank you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.